This episode of Rick and Rick Rule the World is brought to you by Taskin, the first name in ultra-stylish, premium-quality travel gear, like the exquisitely designed Taskin 1 expandable backpack. With nine practical variations, the Taskin 1 is always the right size for wherever life takes you next. Save 30% on your next purchase when you use the promo code RNRTAKE30. That's R&R TAKE30 at TaskinSF.com. Next up on an all-new Rick and Rick. It's time for Rick and Rick's official prediction scorecard for 2022. That's right. The Ricks revisit their big predictions for the year. What we got right, where we went wrong, and where things went. What the... Plus a hearty helping of news and views from the worlds of marketing, media, tech, and pop culture. Including an end-of-year edition of Loaded Questions and a whole lot more. And it all starts right here, right now. On the one show where everybody loves old St. Rick. And everybody rules the world. Well, deck the halls with whatever jingles your bells, because you're just in time for a holiday season episode of Rick and Rick Rule the World. I'm Rick Matheson, and I am joined, as always, by my good friend, John McClain. Or, I, I mean, Rick Wooten. Happy holidays, Rick. Happy holidays, man. I mean, can you believe how quickly this year's gone and that it's already Christmas time? I literally cannot. In fact, this happens every year. I feel like every year, Thanksgiving, I am like, okay, I'm ready. Ready for enjoying the holiday season, listening to Christmas tunes. It's all gone within just the next week. And then it's a mad dash till practically Christmas Eve. You know, I, I feel that way too. And I, I think usually I try to get a lot of my shopping done early. But this particular year, it feels like it was Thanksgiving and then it was the week before Christmas. And it was like, whoa, where did everything in between go? Yeah. Like, how did I lose yeah. two, three weeks here? Totally. And which, by the way, did you get your gift from me? Yes, I did. Yes, I <laughs> I did. I got the book. Thank you. That was awesome. For listeners, it seems like every year we talk about how we love the movie Die Hard as a Christmas movie. To me, it is. And to Rick, it is. 100%. And so I saw this book on Amazon, A Die Hard Christmas, and it's an illustrated holiday classic hardcover that I just had to send you. It looked hilarious. <laughs> well, what cracked me was this is for adults. I mean, there's some like language in there, certainly violence. That's right. No, I, I'm, I'm super excited about this thing so much. I think my kids and I are uh, a big fan of Die Hard, although I think they're starting to fatigue on it because I've been playing it every year of their life at Christmas time. But we'll mix it up this year and I'll force everybody to sit around the fire while I read them the book. Absolutely. Please record that for me and for listeners. I always say, you know, it's not truly the holidays until John McClane blows something up. In fact, you're going to have to do sound effects and everything. Yeah, exactly. Excellent. Absolutely. Jeez. I'm down. Challenge accepted. All right. Game on. What's also game on is the show where the Ricks share their unique brand of news and views from the worlds of marketing, media, tech, and pop culture. And this time out, it's our annual prediction scorecard where we revisit our outlook for 2022 from way back when, the start of the year, how it started and how it's working out. But first, we're going to kick things off, as always, with Rick and Rick Radar Love. And I've been dying to ask you this, Rick, have you finished 1899 on Netflix yet? You know, I did. I, I just finished it last week. Oh. Wow. That was a ride. You know, it was crazy. It was a it was a bit like Inception. It was a bit like The Matrix. It was a bit like a whole lot of movies. Yeah. And uh, it didn't quite end the way I expected it to. I was definitely taken aback. I thought that was crazy. Yeah, it's a great show. It's from the makers of Dark. But Rick, if you haven't yet, I want you to watch the making of because they use this fantastic technology making the show. 
So normally, actors act in front of a green screen, so they kind of conjure in their mind what the scene is out in front of them. Well, this show used a technology called The Volume, and The Volume is essentially a wraparound stage of high-resolution screens where the actors are actually seeing the sea in front of them if they're on the deck of the ship, or they're out in the desert or the worlds that they broke into during the show. It is really cool technology, and the actors were saying it just really brought them to the place because they didn't have to imagine. They didn't have to conjure. It was right in front of them. It was almost like VR. Interesting. Very cool stuff. Interesting. That's kind of cool. So definitely watch the making of it. It was worth it. Just an interesting show. If if folks haven't seen 1899 on Netflix, we uh, we hope you'll check it out. When we come back from this break, it's going to be time for the good, the bad, and the marketing, including our 2022 prediction scorecard. So don't go anywhere. Hey, Rick and Rick Nation, don't forget to check out our website at rickandrick.com. It's double the Rick in just one click at rickandrick.com. And welcome back to Rick and Rick Rule the World, Rick Matheson and Rick Wooten. It is time for our 2022 prediction scorecard. So way back at the beginning of the year, we presented our predictions or sort of outlook for the year and where we thought things were going to go, including one prediction I made for 2022 was that athletes foot treatment brand Lotrimin AF is going to jump on the NFT bandwagon and launch Lotrimin AFTs or anti fungible tokens. So you just spread Lotrimin's patented anti-fungible cream between your tokens and say goodbye to athlete's foot, jock itch, and all the assets in your crypto wallet. And as far as I know, Rick, that did not happen. Lotrimin AFTs did not come out, but you know, there's still time, Lotrimin. Step on it. All right. I had predicted that there was at least a 47% chance that the domestic box office would hit somewhere between 8 and $10 billion in revenue for calendar year 2022. And depending on how Avatar 2, The Way of Water goes, we might get something closer to that bottom number. But as of December 19th, the domestic box office stands at just shy of $7 billion, according to Box Office Mojo. We've still got a couple weeks, but looks like it was overly optimistic. Big improvement over 2021's $4 billion and 2020's $2.1 billion, but far short of 2019's $11.3 billion. So we still got a ways for the box office to fully recover. Yeah, but I mean, I don't feel like they necessarily pushed it hard enough. So we'll, we'll, we'll get to that one. Now, the other part of this was direct-to-consumer streaming of movies. So I did predict that there would be turbulence in the streaming sector. As I said at the time, not long ago, we were wondering on this show whether there was enough consumer demand for every freaking entertainment brand have its own streaming service. Well, now my understanding is churning and cycling is just off the charts. As The Verge reports, Netflix is now saying it'll take profit where ever it can find it, even if it means its shows are like an endless Dave Chappelle comedy on reruns. HBO Max, or what will soon be called Max, is taking an axe to its program. But I did see Amazon actually did okay, apparently, because it had Thursday Night Football. So we've seen now this move where Amazon Prime is starting to act a lot like an old-fashioned TV network. We may end up going from 900 channels on cable to 900 apps if we aren't careful. So, and in fact, I don't know if it's in 2023, but 
we're going to need fewer competitors in this space for these streaming services to really thrive. I completely agree. Yeah, my uh, my first prediction earlier this year was was around the hybrid, hybrid workforce, and you know we talked a lot about this. We talked uh, about how you know a lot of people don't want to go back to the office, and that you know certain demographics and age groups are, are actually protesting and they're they're finding new jobs so that they don't have to go back to the workplace. What I had predicted was that you know this hybrid workforce would become the norm, and that it wouldn't stay completely remote, and it wouldn't revert back to being just in the office. We'd end up with something in between. We're going to have a new norm. It's not going to be what it was, and it's not going to be you know what we've been living for the last couple of years. And I think we've successfully crossed into that. I, I don't think I was 100% on this one. We have seen some companies pretty much force people back into the office, surprising ones like Apple. You know, Apple just built that big campus down in Texas. That's voting really negatively for people who no longer politically align with Texas and feel that their rights are being impacted by Texas illegalizing abortion. So I heard Salesforce is forcing people back in. I heard that some offices of Google are forcing people back in. But by and far, I would say that a lot of companies, the ones who didn't have a, a ton of investment in real estate, are actually kind of enjoying this idea of the, the hybrid role. And they're building you know smaller offices. They're hiring people who are remote only and not requiring them to come into the office as much. So I think I was mostly right on this. I just don't think it quite went as far as I expected expected it to. I expected it to be much more of a natural hybrid, but I think you got people in one of two camps, you you know, either come to the office or we don't care where you work. What what have you seen? Yeah, I've been assuming that if the economy has a downturn, that the balance of power will shift back to employers and that more of them will demand butts in seats in offices. We haven't seen a full downturn in the economy yet. Hopefully we won't. But then I've seen other companies, more mid-tier, where they want the best talent and they're letting them pretty much work wherever because the sort of hybrid environment allows that sort of layer of enterprise to get the very best people that they can for the job. Cool. All right. I said at the time, I don't know if this is a trend or I just hope it will be, but I had started to wonder aloud if we might see investors in ESG funds, environmental, social, and governance funds, start to make a push for adding a D for democracy to be added into the ESG mix. So the idea would be to focus investments companies that are actively supporting lawmakers or efforts aimed at ensuring that all eligible voters have access to free and fair elections. To the extent that any of this happened, I didn't see it, or at least not in the form that I think I assumed it would take. So Bloomberg has reported that the American right has taken aim at ESG funds as part of its broader narrative about, quote, woke capitalism, which always cracks me up. And that made me think I couldn't have been the only one that was thinking that there might be a more partisan angle brought to ESGs in the opposite direction. Instead, it came from conservatives trying to shut them down. Now, the attacks at least suggest that some may have the same inkling that I did, that D for democracy might become an ESG funds, but they didn't like that idea one bit. Okay. My second prediction at the beginning of the year was that for major events, concerts, Comic-Con, movies, that basically by the summer, we return back to normal and that we would walk around and people would be saying, what COVID? And, you know, I, I expected blockbuster movies would explode. I thought that Comic-Con would be, you know, sold out and, you know, people would be, you know, waiting in lines and and all that. And I don't think I was totally wrong. I would say I was mostly correct. We largely returned to our pre-COVID ways. You can see that just here in the the San Francisco area. Traffic on the highways is right back to what it was pre-COVID. But I don't think it fully returned. 
returned. And I, and just what we talked about earlier in this show, the movies didn't blow the doors off. I think Comic-Con sold out, but not to the level I think it normally does. And so I would say I'd, I'd give myself like you know, a 70, 80% on this one. Now, the second part of my prediction was COVID would return in the fall and that, you know, we would go back to masking, we'd go back to distancing and all that. Um, surprisingly, I, I think I might have been wrong on that one because, you know, here we are, we're in December. Uh, there's no mask restrictions anywhere around. And I think I was a little bit off on that one. I expected it to be more than it was, but I, I think it's because I didn't anticipate that the current variants of COVID would become a non-issue. Now, of course, that said, between the influenza variant that's going around this year and the RSV, the respiratory infection, we're seeing people just taken out by all those things and sick. In fact, I was I was talking to a friend and I think he said 50% of his child's classroom was out sick one day. So I was kind of right and I was kind of wrong at the same time. So I, I, I don't give myself full credit for this one. All right. I did predict that the number of Tesla Cybertrucks delivered in calendar year 2022 would hover somewhere between zero and zero. Three years <laughs> to the day that Tesla botched the product launch for the oddly angular EV truck it touted as bulletproof while demonstrating that it wasn't. I have seen reports that within the last week, Rick, there were sightings in Texas, I guess the main production facility is going to be their Texas Giga plant, where people have seen parts arriving, and I guess it's going to go into production. I don't know if anyone has said delivery, but production by mid-2023. So I'm assuming delivery would start somewhere between mid to late 2023. But, you know, to be fair, Tesla's CEO has had a busy 2022, but we'll see where things would go with Tesla. I want to see a Cybertruck on the road and see what it's like. Yeah, I I don't. <laughs> I have to say I'm not impressed. I kept hoping that he'd bring the design into something that's a little more attractive. I hate to call somebody's baby ugly, but that's an ugly baby. Yeah, you know, when we started off this year, I, uh, I started out with a metric for you. And that metric was that 2021 was the year of selling of millions of VR headsets to a level that we just hadn't seen before. And I, I mentioned that even my baby boomer dad had actually picked up a, a VR headset. My brother has a VR headset, like everybody and their dog has a VR headset, and that somehow it had arrived and it had totally missed us. And so my prediction for this year was like, now we're going to see marketers and companies getting on the metaverse bandwagon and that they're going to rush to be part of it. They're going to be buying real estate. They're going to be launching experiences and it's going to be the hot thing for the year. Again, I think I was on the right track, but I, I think I expected it to be be bigger than what it really was. You know, we saw some, you know, pretty amazing experiences. We saw a lot of people getting involved. We saw concerts happening in the metaverse. We saw big name acts in the metaverse movies. Every genre saw some interaction, but it barely moved past one or two experiences. It didn't end up being what I thought it would be. It ended up being a little bit more constrained. And so I, I don't know. I feel like I was on the right track here, but I don't think we quite hit the levels that I expected. I think there's still working on the killer app to get people in there. Yeah. I think that this is maybe a situation where you were perhaps more bullish on this and I was a bit more cautious, but I think the truth came somewhere in between, which is probably a good sign. Yeah. You know, the metaverse is not a single place, it's metaverses and it can be any company running a metaverse. And so just as with virtual reality in the past, there is that challenge of getting enough people in one place at one time to really make it worth your while and really do something with it. Mm -hmm. That said, 
said, we did see cool metaverse initiatives from Nike and others, but it wasn't necessarily anything different than we could have done five years ago or even 10 years ago. And the challenge, Wall Street Journal did a story on it. Obviously, Mark Zuckerberg's Horizon metaverse is not quite there yet. We saw reports that there were internal documents saying that, you know, an empty world is a sad world. Apparently, Horizon's user base has steadily declined since spring. Most users don't return after the first month. Meta wants users to create their own worlds using Horizon's tools, but less than 1% are doing so. Most of the worlds created by creators are never visited. Under 10% are visited by at least 50 people. Thus, the empty world is a sad world notation. Cumulatively, yeah, Horizon's worlds have brought in only about $10,000 in in-world payments at the writing of this piece in October. So that's going to be the challenge here, Rick. We need to have enough there there for people to be interested in it. We've talked about in recent episodes where half of teenagers aren't even really clear what metaverse is. So part of it's just that adoption curve. And we need pervasiveness. We need interoperability, permeability. We need to be able to cross into these different metaverses easily, be able to buy something, a digital object in one metaverse and take it to another metaverse. So that was my caution this year. Yeah. Until they build the thing that you just can't do anywhere else that's so clever and cool and you have to be part of, it's not going to take off. It'll come. I don't even know if it's going to be in 2023. Hopefully it will. But certainly this decade, we're going to start to see this gain traction or not. Yeah. It's going to be either something this decade that's super cool or it's in some distant future. Yeah. When we come back after this next break, it is time for Loaded Questions. See you on the other side. This episode of Rick and Rick Rule the World is brought to you by Taskin, the first name in ultra-stylish, premium-quality travel gear, like the exquisitely designed Taskin 1 expandable backpack. With nine practical variations, the Taskin 1 is always the right size for wherever life takes you next. Save 30% on your next purchase when you use the promo code RNRTAKE30. That's RNRTAKE30 at TaskinSF.com. And welcome back to Rick and Rick Rule the World. Rick Matheson and Rick Wooten, and it's time for Noted Questions. Question number one. The holidays are official cuffing season, so I asked ChatGPT, the AI program from OpenAI, to come up with its best pickup lines for cuffing season, <laughs> to which it informed me, quote, I'm sorry, I am not programmed to generate inappropriate or offensive content. Instead, <laughs> there are some friendly and respectful pickup lines, which, you know, I appreciated. I hadn't been thinking about it being anything other than friendly and respectful, but anyway, which of the following is one of those pickup lines created by ChatGPT? A, do you have a map? Because I just got lost in your eyes. B, excuse me, but I think you dropped something. My jaw. C, is there a rainbow today? I just found the treasure I've been searching for. <laughs> D, do you have a band-aid? Because I just fell for you. Or E, do you mind if I walk you home? My mother always told me to follow my dreams. Which of these is an actual pickup line created by ChatGPT's AI? I'm going to guess all of them. You are correct. All of the above. <laughs> so each of these were created by ChatGPT. That's awesome. Now, this is funny, Rick. So I also asked ChatGPT to write a 10-second promo for Die Hard as a Christmas movie. Oh. And most of them were just okay, but this one I got a kick out of. It reads, This holiday season, give the gift of Die Hard. Join John McClane as he battles terrorists and saves the day on Christmas Eve. With nonstop action and hilarious one-liners, it's the ultimate holiday classic. yippee ki movie lovers, Die Hard is available now <laughs> on streaming platforms 
and in select theaters. That one cracked me up. Most all of them were variations on the exact same thing, no matter what movie and what combo. But I really liked Yippie movie lovers. But here's the thing. After that, I did a Google search and instantly found that all of the pickup lines and the Yippie movie lovers line are pre-existing. So if you're using tools like ChatGPT, you'll also have to be careful of avoiding plagiarism, for instance, and also ensure you include attribution. But still, for writers, I see the potential for ChatGPT and other AI to be useful and fun tools. So it's going to be fun to see where it goes. And I'm sure we're going to be talking a lot about this kind of thing in 2023. All right. Question number two, according to retail workers, which of the following is the gift that keeps on grading at Christmas? A, Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You. B, Burl Ives' Holly Jolly Christmas. C, Paul McCartney's Wonderful Christmas Time. D, Anna Kendrick's A Few of My Favorite Things. Or E, Rick and Rick sing Little Drummer Babu Frick. Which of these is the gift that keeps on grading at Christmas time, according to retail workers? I'm going to go with Mariah Carey. You are correct. Answer is A. So according to the Wall Street Journal, Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You is the gift that keeps on grading. Oh, that's funny. Though to be fair, by most annoying, it doesn't necessarily mean the worst. It's just that people hear it so often that it just drives them nuts. Yeah, she's a very talented singer. No disrespect, but for the love of God, change the channel. All right, final question. Which of the following brands has already signed on to advertise during Super Bowl 57 on February 12, 2023? A. Pringles. B. He Gets Us. C. Avocados from Mexico. Or D. Liquid Ass. Which of these <laughs> brands has already signed on to advertise during Super Bowl 57 in February? Dang, this is a tough one. I want to say all of them, but I don't think it is. And I'm sure Avocados from Mexico is going to be there, so I'm going to go with that. You are correct, but uh, it is yeah. also true that the answer is A, B, and so, according to Adweek, Pringles and Avocados from Mexico have signed on for Super Bowl 57, as has a Christian group called He Gets Us, which is said to have, I think, two commercials about being respectful, kind, and loving to each other, which, hey, we're all here for it. Totally. What was not signed up as an advertiser for Super Bowl 57 is, of course, D, liquid ass, much as we would like. <laughs> All right. Well, that is going to have to wrap up this episode of Rick and Rick Rule the World. But before we go, Rick, why don't you tell folks where you can be found online? Well, the best place to find me is on Twitter. I'm at Wooten, W-O-O-T-T-E-N. And how about yourself, Matheson? I am still at Rick Matheson on Twitter, looking at some of the alternatives here. In fact, that's an episode we'll have to talk about. But uh, until that time, folks, we hope that you have a fantastic, safe, and wonderful holiday season. And uh, please... Keep on coming back to the one show where everybody's name is Rick. And everybody rules the world. 